And we're back with our encounter with God, and as always, before our encounter with God, if there is still a clue left for the quiz, I can't believe you haven't got it yet. Come on, guys, get it together. Mm. This is an easy one. It's about to get very easy. Okay. All right. Ready? The hometown of Artemis or Diana. What somewhere city in am Turkey. I? One of Paul's epistles is addressed to the church in this city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As is, is there a clue about? Uh, is there a clue that relates to um, Revelation coming up? Nope. Oh, well, you'll find this city a major feature in uh, the early part of Revelation because there are seven churches there and it's one of those. Ooh. There's an extra clue for you. We've been studying about Revelation the last few weeks. So in the United it States, it is popular to name churches after this particular city. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I wonder why. Because you, you uh, it's, it's an interesting thing in America. Um, if, if you're the First Baptist Church in a particular town, they'll call it First Baptist Church. Oh, okay. You know, first Adventist Church. Uh-huh. First, you know, uh-huh. uh, I worked in Denver first for a while. Okay. Uh, Denver First Adventist Church. You know, they like to like, yes, the first. <laughs> but if you can't get first, you get this one. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Oh, how funny. How funny. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's why there were so many first churches. I didn't think it was literally because it was the Bragging first Bragging points. Hey. It's, it's, yeah. Now I want to bra- go to bra- the Bragging rights somewhere. right there. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that in Australia. You'd never do that in Australia. It would be way too pretentious for Australia. Yeah, I don't so think... So un-Australian, very yeah. um, against our culture here. Yeah. I don't even know that the Australians would understand it. They'd probably think, oh, this must be like positioned on First Avenue or something. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's, that's why it's called First Adventures Church. I would never yep. have presumed it If you it get to the be first the first one. one there, then uh, you, can, you can call yourself you know, such and such a first church. And, well, and if that one is taken, then you go with this one. I kind of want to start a church in a country town that doesn't have an Adventist church. This so is another way of calling first. yourself the first church without being the first ah, church. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, if you know what the answer is, do give us a call. The number is 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800 324 843. All right, let's go to the book of Acts and join us this morning along with uh, 20 million other people while Mon tips over her um, Don't mind me. morning juice for the day and mm-hmm. spills it all over the desk. Well, actually, there was none left, so we, <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> we survived thing, that. Good thing it wasn't the full one. Oh, there is the a full one, one there, yeah. <laughs> That's my lunch. Uh huh. Okay, Acts. Acts chapter 2. How is the juice diet going, Mon? I had to start over. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, because you know how I donated blood um, yes. last week, week before with Shell, our producer? They wouldn't let me donate without eating. And I thought, do you know what? It's a worthy enough cause to eat something because Australia is um, having a crisis. That, um, they've run out, running out of O negative, which is mm-hmm. what they desperately need. Because um, apparently people who are O negative, their bodies can't accept any other type. Mm-hmm. So other people can, other blood types will accept other blood types, but O negative can only take O negative. So it becomes a bit of a situation when you're running low on it. And um, and I am O negative, and so when they told me I was going to have to eat something, liquid gold. Yeah, exactly. They told me it was liquid gold. They actually have a special uh, special uh, appointments book just for O negative people. So mm-hmm. there's the appointments that are free for everybody, and then there's like extra appointments for O negs. And so um, yeah, so I decided to eat something, but unfortunately it was my downfall because once I had some food in my mouth, it was all downhill. For me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll just. I'll just continue tomorrow, but then tomorrow I was like, oh, okay, the next day, then a week later, I was like, okay, I think I just broke totally busted this fast <laughs> right open. So today is day one. <laughs> oh, today is day 
day one. Yeah, because about three days ago you told me today was day one. <laughs> no, this this time for realsies. Because okay. <laughs> the juice fast was actually supposed to finish uh, this weekend, just gone, and so I got to the end of it and was like, well, I kind of ate the whole last week, so I don't know, <laughs> not sure if this counts. So you're going to do one more week just to fill in that last week? Nah, or going to- I'm just going to do the whole thing over because I. I I don't feel like I can say I did a 30-day juice fast because I didn't. How do you do a 20-day juice fast, skip one day, and then do another nine days? You don't – like, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You, don't, you haven't really done a 30-day juice you, fast. You, you want to have that sense I of accomplishment. I want 30 days. That's, yeah, absolutely. You want yeah. the bragging rights. Very good. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, join 20 million other people who are studying this chapter of the Bible today. And we are getting down towards the end of it. And, of course, Luke is writing here the book of Acts. As he writes the book of Acts, he talks about Peter's sermon. He talks about the effect that it has. He talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then he comes on to describe the early church and to describe what it was like to be part of the early church. And so, Mon, why don't you read for us uh, verse 41 and 42, please? So Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42 says, Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay, so and what you'll find is that they were actually doing this teaching in the temple. The Bible says they were teaching in the temple. If you look at the way that uh, the temple was built in those particular days. It was surrounded by roofed porches. Ooh. So you had sort of had this this whole area around the outside, like a, like a wall, uh, but it was kind of like more like, yeah, just all of these roofed porches. And what would happen is that this is where the rabbis would go and they would sit and teach. Mm-hmm. And so this is where the disciples would now go and they would sit and teach the people. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the teachings about Jesus were very popular at this very, very early stage, it seems that uh, the priests and the Pharisees, the ruler, the rulers of the city, were not so concerned about it. They believed they'd, they'd cut the head off the snake and that it was going to die um, and Christianity was over with because they had killed Jesus. And so it seems that for a number of days, possibly even weeks, they pretty much got away scot-free with preaching and teaching in the temple. Mm-hmm. And of course, to very large crowds at, at times, because you know three thousand people were baptized on that first day of preaching, and so obviously this was not something you know this may, was something that may have started in a porch, and then just grew out to the entire courtyard there, listening into what Peter had to say. Mm. But it is significant the model for church growth that is followed right here. Uh, verse forty-two. What is the what is the what is the Acts model for church growth? Uh, devoting um, themselves to teaching, fellowship, meals, and prayer. Thank you. Hmm. Okay, so what? Is it, there's a number of things that you'll notice here straight away, and the first is that the disciples were not leading the people into a contemplative religion. No. Uh, this is not a mystical religion. This is a religion based on the Word of God, mm-hmm. and the teachings of the Word of God and on biblical teaching. Mm-hmm. And so reading it from mine, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, the word doctrine is an, uh, an old English word, and it simply means teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the, the apostles' teaching, and then it goes on and says, and fellowship and food. Hmm. Very important, those ones. Okay. Why, <laughs> yeah, why, why is that so important, Mon? 
Well, it's how you build relationships. Um, you know, so many there's so many different cultures around the world, and yet so many of them focus um, on a commu- sense of community involving the sharing of food. I would go as far to say that every single culture mm. on the planet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, builds a sense of community around food. Yep. Um, every language group, every people group, every culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go from the most obscure tribe, say mm-hmm. in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, that's an uncontacted tribe, and they're going to have feast days. Yeah. And also, if you're, if you're merging two cultures, it's like if I was a different culture to you and mm-hmm. I offered you some food, you'd immediately recognize that as a, almost like a peace offering or like a way of making friends with you. You know that you'd be okay with me if I was sharing my food with you. Absolutely. You know that you and I would not be fighting if I was like, hey, do you want some cake? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that story in um, the book of, I'm um, thinking First Kings, Second Kings, but anyway, mm-hmm. one of the kings where Samuel is in the city of Dothan Mm -hmm. and it is surrounded by the Syrian armies and his servant freaks out and loses his mind and Elisha is like, hey, what's up? You know, there's more people on our side than theirs and Dothan is like this hamlet, you know, with a wall Mm -hmm, around it. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And his servant is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Lord opened his eyes and the Lord opens his eyes and he suddenly sees another massive army of angels on the outside of the Syrian army and the Syrian army was actually trapped. And then Elisha's like, okay, strike them with blindness. Mm -hmm. And so the whole Syrian army is struck with blindness and he goes out and he's like, hey guys, um, you know, you're not in the right place. Let me lead you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And he leads them into the city of Samaria. Uh, and it's not until they're trapped inside the city walls that he says, Lord, open their eyes. And now suddenly they can all see and they're no longer blind and they are trapped inside the capital city of Israel. <laughs> and uh, you can imagine how it was now their turn as uh, the Syrian army to freak out and to lose their minds. And, uh, and it's interesting what Elisha decides to do next. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So the Syrians were the bitter enemies of the nation of, of the state of Israel, the nation of Israel at this particular time, and they had, you know, they, they they had a commission to go down there and you know to kill Elisha and you know to basically wreak havoc um, on the on this nation. And so Elisha, you know, the, the king is standing there. The king of, Is- of Israel is standing there. He's like, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? You know, he's like, <laughs> let's kill them all. We have them trapped, you know. And Elisha's like, no, give them food. Mm. And they gave them, you know, they had a big feast. They gave them food. They all hung out as mates. Um, and, uh, you know, it created peace. Yeah. And when you create peace, you've actually won the war. Mm-hmm, that's right. You've accomplished your military objective, and that is mm-hmm. you have won the war. Um, it reminds me of what happened during the First World War, um, the first Christmas Day in the trenches of the First World War, mm-hmm. when Christmas Day came and they all like, yeah, let's let's have a day off fighting each other. And uh, they went out in the middle and they chatted with the soldiers on the other side of the trenches and then they had you know a few soccer matches and all this kind of thing. And then the next day, of course, Boxing Day, they had to go back to war. And the soldiers on neither side wanted to mm-hmm. and actually brought in a rule that they weren't to fraternize with the enemy because it, they're like, no, these are good guys. What do yeah. we want to shoot them for? They're our mates. We were just playing soccer with them yesterday. There's no way in a million years do we want to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's something that illustrates the stupidity and the futility of mm-hmm. war, mm-hmm. Uh, where something, you know, 
if you can negotiate over food or a game of soccer, that's so much better of a bit of an yeah. idea. By the way, congratulations to France. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, France. Good on you. And commiserations to Croatia. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, commiserations to Croatia and uh, congratulations for a job well done and for making it so far into the series mm. and for fighting hard and being the underdog. The people's champion. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But a well-deserved victory by a, um, a magnificent team. Yeah, and definitely another example of how the whole world is brought together over you know, soccer. Yeah, if only we could sort out our differences over a game of soccer yeah. rather than or by a, going to war with each or other. Or a table full of food. Even better, a table full of food. Mm-hmm. You know, when I travelled throughout the Middle East, wherever I went, let me say this. In Iran, wherever mm-hmm. we went in Iran, people were trying to give us food mm-hmm. because this is not a tourist destination and they're not used to tourists and tourists are a novelty. Mm-hmm. You go to you know, some of the other countries like Egypt or Jordan and, yeah, they'll offer you food and there's like money, 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 money uh-huh. there just, you know, because they, their income is tourist-based and has been you know, for the last 50, 100, 200 years, whatever. And so it's a different culture that has developed there. But again, you go, when you go to the Middle East to a culture that is not tourist-based, it's just like random people stopping you on the street. They recognize that you're a Westerner and it's like, oh, here, have some food. It's so sweet. You know, and, 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 and they'll have this whole <laughs> – it is, is the best. You have to go there sometime, Mon. <laughs> okay. You just have to go. It is just the most mind-blowing experience. I was talking to one of my mates who I went with just last night. He stayed, stayed overnight and we were just reminiscing how that was out of the whole trip. Mm-hmm. That was the highlight. Iran, that's cool. Yeah. Iran. I think it's kind of random. Like you went to Cuba, which is a bit of a random des- destination, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know these kind of rebel countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, but yeah, hospitality like you've never experienced anywhere else on the planet. Now, is that because they believe that hospitality and and you know looking after guests is almost a like a religious duty for them, and they get like a massive blessing out of it? Yes and no. It's a part of their culture. Um, and the moment that you are offered food within that culture, they're not just offering f- offering you food, they're offering you protection. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, it's very nice mm. because um, under their religion and their culture, then, of course, once you have offered a person protection, you must protect that person with your life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's a pretty intense offering then. It's very intense. Yeah. It's very intense. And when you actually understand what it is that they are offering, mm-hmm. it's so much more meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And uh, it's just, yeah, truly, truly, um, truly an amazing and a special experience. And I hope that, um, you know, in that particular country that that kind of hospitality lasts. And, you, mm. you look at the friction that there is between the, you know, the, the, the nations and you talk to the person on the street about, you know, the United States or Donald Trump or whatever else. And they're like, that's just politics. That's the leadership. Mm-hmm. That's got nothing to do with us. We have no interest in it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at least the people that were, were, were talking to us. Um, yeah, fascinating. Well, where were we? We got slightly sidetracked. We're but talking we about how the church makes food. food. Yeah. food. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jesus does exactly the same thing. And if you go to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, <coughs> you will notice that Jesus does something very, very special here when he makes an appeal to us, to you and I, mm-hmm. to, to, to you as our, as our listener today. This is Jesus' appeal to you uh, as an individual. Would you like to read for us verse 20, please? Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. 
Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Thank you. Okay, so notice what it is, what what is it that Jesus wants to do? He's like, I stand at the door and knock. Now we understand that he's standing at the door of our heart and he's knocking. He wants to come into our mind. Mm. When he gets there, what does he say that he wants to do? We will share a meal together as friends. Okay, does he start by saying, "Hey, I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to you know." Mm-hmm. Does he redecorate? Yeah, do some like, cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't start there, does he? No, he wants to make friends. He says, "I want to sit down and have a meal." Mm-hmm. And he speaks here with an international language. Food is an international language. Mm, absolutely. You don't have to. You know, when I was in Iran, there's not a lot of people who spoke English, mm-hmm. and I certainly didn't speak any Iranian mm-hmm. uh, or um, Persian, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so you know, there was a whole language barrier. But as soon as food was offered, language barriers broke down. We were great friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd do sign language and laugh and joke and carry on and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, um, all this kind of thing simply because food had come into the mix. Mm-hmm. And so this is an incredibly powerful form of communication. You know, we had a birthday party for my son yesterday who just turned 21. And whenever we celebrate something, what do we do? Bring out the food. We bring out the food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this was central, this was absolutely central to the experience of the disciples and the early church. Mm -hmm. They continued daily in the apostles' doctrine, Mm -hmm. solid biblical teaching. You know, they weren't meditating and going, oh, or doing, you know, silence or any other, you know, stupid mystical Eastern kind of thing like that. Uh Um, This was solid biblical teaching, followed by food. Mm-hmm. So solid biblical teaching, solid biblical community. Mm-hmm. And this is the whole point of church. A lot of people miss the point of church. I come across people like, I go to church where I'm fed. So you know, I go to church, different church each week and they'll follow around the best preachers. Uh-huh. So what they're getting is solid biblical teaching. But you can't live on that. No, That's not the Christian experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who church hop will die spiritually even though they go to hear the best preachers. Mm-hmm. The reason is church was designed for community and that community is there to support each other. Mm-hmm. And as human beings, we have a natural need for community. Um, wherever we, you know, for even look at Australia, right? Mm-hmm. We have sadly a very secular society where there is not a high level of church attendance. Yeah, no. But look at how many organisations there are around the place. There is this club, there is that club, you yeah, know, the RSL true. club. There's a, you know, look at the Hunter Valley. It's full of car clubs. Mm-hmm, Such mm-hmm. a car culture here yep. in the Newcastle Hunter region. Sport clubs and all kinds of yeah. football club. Mm-hmm. You know, softball club, netball club, whatever. Pokemon club. <laughs> whatever it is, absolutely, there mm-hmm. are clubs everywhere that people belong to. They get membership because we have all been created with a sense of community. Mm-hmm. What's that club that you're a part of? Um, Toastmasters. Toastmasters Club, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a member of a couple of clubs, mm-hmm. um, you know, right here. One of them is the, uh, give them a shout out this morning, MCMA, Maitland Classic Motor Association. Hey! Yeah, that's where I, I go with my old uh, 1960 Bedford and, and, 19, and Shell's 1958 Austin. Yeah, very sweet. Yeah. I mean, they even have apps nowadays. You've heard of Meetup? 
It's an app where you can just type in what you're interested in, doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. and you'll find a group of people in your area who are meeting up to either do that thing or discuss that thing or just hang out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's because we have been created this way. Mm. God knows how he, we, were, we were created, and that's why God invented the concept of church. And that's why God told the Israelites you know, that the Sabbath was a holy gathering together. Is you want to gather together on the Sabbath day, um, you find that in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 3, uh, for the purpose of forming community in worship. Anyway, we're going to listen to Melissa Otto. Who is this?
You were listening to Melissa Otto. Who is this here on Faith FM? We got another clue for that quiz. Yes, we do. What city am I? Paul wrote to the church in this city and told them to put on the armor of God. <laughs> that mm. one's an easy one. Okay, so here's a uh, here's another quote from that uh, the, from that from that from that city. The the, the letter to that city. Mm-hmm. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. For we are God's workmanship created unto good works, I think it goes on to say. Uh, that'll be chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. We're giving lots of clues away this morning. Yeah, I don't know how people haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> maybe nobody wants a prize this morning. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're all still asleep, Monday artists. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this was a city that was commended, by the way. <laughs> really? Uh, by Jesus Christ for being hardworking, oh. patient, um, Absolute fidelity to truth, a, a, a city that was commended for not, or the church there was commended for not putting up with people within their congregation that were plain straight out evil mm-hmm. um, and was commended for being hardworking and evangelistic. Oh, wow. Mm. Sounds like a good church. Mm. Except that. Jesus also threatened to take away their candlestick. Oh, really? Uh, so with all of those good things, they only had one small fault. But it was big enough so that God was like, yeah, you know what? You are on the verge of not even being my church. Wow. So this is a warning because mm-hmm. you can you can have absolute fidelity to the truth. You can be hardworking. You can be evangelistic. You can be getting rid of all the evildoers amongst you, etc., etc., etc. And if you do not have this one thing, then it is worthless. It is meaningless. It is there is just nothing to it, and that is love. Oh wow! They had lost their first love. Mm, okay, I think you're really giving it away now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. Come on, guys, give us a call. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is our number, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, or jump on our social media, and uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, whichever you prefer. And you'll find the information there. Coming back to the book of Acts, we were talking about the Acts model of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about community and how important community is. So the first great part of uh, the church was doctrine. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. Solid biblical teaching. And that's what we try to have here on Faith FM for The Breakfast Show. We try to give you solid biblical teaching. The second thing was community, and we have a great community happening here on Faith FM, and so join our community every morning as we share this time together during the breakfast show. And the third thing that they that was a recipe for the growth of the church at that particular time was what, Mon, in verse 42? Mm, and prayer. Lasting. Prayer, absolutely. Mm, prayer. How can you have a church without prayer? You can't really. Can no, you, you can't at you all. Can't. It's impossible. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's one never going to happen. Ones. Yeah, yeah. This is the most obvious out of all of them. You can't have a church without prayer, and so um, prayer was the uh, the final part of that particular. And, and you know, I think that within some churches, this one is overlooked. Yeah, I was going to say. Do you know what? You probably could have churches without prayer because how many churches do we have? I was today? just. I was just yeah. actually. It just went through my head. You know, I was about to. Yeah, we talked about prayer. Move on. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about community. We talked. Significantly about doctrine, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like yeah, okay, and prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think often within Christianity, 
we look at prayer a little bit like that. You know, I mean, there True. are some churches that are just like, you know, prayer warehouse, you know, um, workshops. Um, you know, they, they've just uh, a church full of prayer warriors. But we should never underestimate the power of prayer and the need for prayer. Paul says that we should pray without ceasing. And we shouldn't rush through prayer either. How do you pray without ceasing? I don't think it's, you know, your constant stream of prayer going on, but it's like you never close a dialogue, so to speak. You always have Never disconnect. Yeah, you never disconnect with God. So all throughout the yep. day, just, you know, here and there, keep praying. Yep. I, I think of it, you know, it's like one of those, um, you know, how sometimes you'll have a, a quite detailed text conversation with a good friend mm-hmm. over the period of several days that never ends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's just like you're always in communication, but you're doing other things at the same time. Yeah. And so you might not all, always respond immediately, mm-hmm. but you are certainly in communication on a regular basis. Yeah. It's not like you're sitting on the couch 100% of the time just texting your friend, mm. but the conversation goes on throughout your day as you're doing other things as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's, um, let's move on from there. Uh, verse 43 and 44, please, Mon. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Well, there you go, Mon. Should we live like that today? If you're called to. Total. It's very communist, isn't it? (laughs) Is this this the basis for communism right here? (laughs) Possibly. Uh, Particularly for Christians who have supported communism. Have you ever met anyone who actually supports this model of Christianity? I've met people who think that other people should do it but don't do it themselves. Yeah, I've come across people who preach it. I don't know how effectively they preach it themselves. What I find is significant is this. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. And this was a good thing. Mm -hmm. However, this is the only instance where you find it in the Bible. Okay. This was not the doctrine that the disciples took with them when they took the gospel to the world. This was not a teaching that became a necessary part of uh, Christianity, but it was a good thing. It's definitely the ideal. Mm-hmm. The challenge that we have is us. Mm-hmm. It's humanity. Mm-hmm. It's that inbuilt selfishness. Yeah. And because of that inbuilt selfishness, it's very, very hard. In, a, in an ideal world, yes, communism is a great idea, so long as you don't have human nature. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as humans aren't involved. As long as humans aren't involved, communism's great. Mm-hmm. Just, you can't do communism and humans together. The two are never going to mix. And I should say that you know, capitalism is not that great either. Mm-hmm. You know, because capital, capitalism is based around greed. Mm-hmm. And what it illustrates is that the, the, this, there is no human system of government that will work. Because humans are always involved. Because humans are always involved and human weakness is always going to come in and play a role. Okay, Mon, a couple more verses there for us, please. Just finish out the chapter for us. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people, of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, so the church is just growing like wildfire right mm-hmm. here. It's just absolutely exploding. So let's let's work our way through some of the things that they did here. We talked about how, how they had all their possessions in common. Mm-hmm. Talks also about how they sold their property. Mm-hmm. 
Now, did all of them sell all of their property all at once and put all of the money into founding the Christian church? No. No, because we find later on in the story, um, and at some time after this, you know, Ananias and Sapphira have a, a block of land. It's like, yeah, let's sell this block of land and put the money into the church. And so we know that this was not universal. Mm-hmm. That every single person, the moment they were baptized, like, okay, I'm baptized now, that's the property's on the market. But we do know that a significant number of the early disciples did this. And, you know, if you look back at the project that they had underway was the founding of the Christian church, you don't do that without money. Mm. Uh, you don't do that without significant money. Now, of course, you know, history tells us that Joseph of Arimathea was possibly one of the wealthiest men in Jerusalem and died with not a cent to his name. Mm. You know, poured all of his money into the establishment of Christianity. But during, being a good businessman, he would not would not have done that all at once. Okay, so here's a, some great examples of how early Christianity worked and some lessons for us to be generous. We're going to move on now with Audrey's head.
Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au.
was Randy Travis with Jerusalem's Cry here on Faith FM, and we have come to the question of the day. Do we have any clues left, Mon? We have no more clues left on the quiz, the okay. What City Am I quiz, unless you want to give some like homemade ones. Well, the question of the day actually is a clue in and of itself. Did you know that? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, the que- do, you want me to, do you want me to share the question? Mm-hmm. So the question that has come in, I, you've been salivating about this one. Even last week you were like, oh, I like this question. But the question that has come in is uh, one pertaining to churches, and it says, does the Church of Philadelphia still exist? Of course it does. I've been to the Church of Philadelphia. Oh, you have? Hmm, it's in Pennsylvania. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah. might be some of the confusion. There is a Philadelphia in America. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so Philadelphia in America was named by, and his name will come to me in a moment, a uh, preacher from England who was um, on trial for his life, William Penn, mm-hmm. for preaching in England without a license from the Anglican Church. Oh, goodness. And that was the death penalty. Oh, the death penalty? That's right. And so it went before the jurors. Now, the interesting thing about the British um, legal system back then was that, um, and I'm going to get sidetracked onto history here, but <coughs> the jurors didn't actually have a choice in what verdict they gave. They had to do what the judge said. Mm-hmm. And this was an interesting case because he was actually guilty. Mm-hmm. And the judge says, you have to find him guilty. Amongst the jurors was a very, very wealthy man, one of London's most wealthy merchants, owned a fleet of ships and so forth. And he, along with the other jurors, refused to find him guilty. Because few people realise that the first job of the jury is not to judge the person on trial. Mm -hmm. They first have to judge the law as to whether the law is just or not. Mm -hmm. And then if the law is just, they can then judge the person who's on trial. These jurors judged the law, found the law to be unjust, and therefore the person to be Innocent. Innocent. Aye. So the jurors were imprisoned. The jurors were imprisoned. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this wealthy guy, they like, we're going to take away every single possession you have mm-hmm. um, unless you change your verdict. Wow. And he said, my liberty is not for sale. Wow. He said that while he was imprisoned. Wow. Because you know, he wasn't of the same faith as William Penn. He was mm-hmm. Anglican. Mm-hmm. But he recognized that the principle of religious freedom and religious liberty was what was actually at stake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So William Penn, of course, uh, was found innocent, but he fled to the United States. And he named, he founded the city of, Pen, uh, of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania from William Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he called it Philadelphia because the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. Aww. Yeah. That's and, of sweet. course, it is the Church of Brotherly Love found in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And it is a church that um, one of two churches out of seven which God has nothing bad to say about. There are two churches he has nothing good to say about and two churches there's nothing bad to say about and a bunch of in-between ones. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, within this series of seven churches, the first one is the answer to today's quiz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Philadelphia, mm-hmm. the Church of Philadelphia is number six. Mm-hmm. Now, there are three different applications to the prophecy of the seven churches. Number one, there is the literal application where they were literally a literal letter to a literal church in a literal city at the time it was written. Mm -hmm. The second is um, a spiritual application where there is a spiritual message for you and I in every one of these churches. So there's, you know, you can you can begin with the first one and there's a spiritual lesson there for us. The second one there's a spiritual lesson there for us. The third one is the prophetic application and in the prophetic application they symbolize seven different time periods of God's church down through history. So the book of Revelation begins with seven churches, then seven seals, 
then seven trumpets. Mm-hmm. Repeat and enlarge. Repeat the same time period, enlarges on it. This is God dealing with his church. This is the sixth church. And this is the church that is kept from, the Bible says, the hour of temptation. They won't go through the time of trouble. Therefore, prophetically, this church has come to an end. We now live in the church of Laodicea. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia, from a prophetic perspective, no longer exists. You do not have the choice. You can't go backwards. Mm-hmm. We have to read the letter to Laodicea and apply it to ourselves, which is not such a great one, but there's some really, really good advice there and a great appeal. This is King's Kaleidoscope with All Glory Be to Christ here on Faith FM. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ, our King, all glory be to Christ. Thank you. 
to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. That was King's Kaleidoscope with All Glory Be to Christ. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have come to that part of the day where we are going to give something away for free. You don't have to ask, ask answer a quiz question. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is just be the first caller through on 1-800-324-843 or to text us on 0491-064-669. Shoot it through to The Breakfast Show with Lila Mon, and we will have a prize for you. And this one is really cool. Mm, This is a book by Kenneth Cox called The Four Winds of Revelation. Mm, That's most interesting. You know, the four winds. Mm, Okay. Not the seven seals, the four winds. Why can't it be seven winds? The seven thunders. You have to read the book and find out. If if anyone anyone ever tells you, I know what the seven thunders are, be Mm. very suspicious. Okay, I will. Because John didn't know what they were. Oh, if John didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. He heard them, and then the angel said, nope, don't write it down. Oh. Seal it up. Oh. Mm, now lots of mysteries in the book of Revelation, but this little book here by Kenneth Cox is one of the best little books for uh, untangling the mysteries of Revelation. And, of course, Kenneth Cox, a veteran uh, Revelation preacher and teacher from the United States, a mm. Texan. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting Kenneth Cox when I was about maybe 11 years old. And uh, my dad took him flying all around Tasmania. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, there's a bit of history for you. Yeah, well, he wrote this wonderful book. It my is... dad was a pilot. So. Oh, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this wonderful book uh, is written um, just for you because he says that, um, you know, more than 2,000 years ago, the Bible predicted that all of the stuff that's happening in the world right now would actually happen. And, you know, because we often can't turn on our TV or, or go online without, you know, catastrophes just smacking you in the face, just disasters and wars and all this kind of stuff. You know, the world does seem like it's coming apart at the seams. And so he wrote this book to, to show that the Bible has been right about this all along and that we can take hope in the fact that what the Bible says is going to happen next will also happen. So he looks at the crisis um, taking place and, uh, and the big question about whether or not we should be afraid and is there any hope? Mm, so yeah, there you go. Four Winds of Revelation. So be the first caller through. This is an excellent book. This is an outstanding book, and uh, you will enjoy it enormously. Uh, be the first caller through right now on 1-800-324-843. Text us 491 or shoot us a message on our social media, and that book is yours today for free. And, of course, don't forget, if you would like to know more about the Bible, we're always interested in connecting people with the Bible. Or if you would like to find community, we were talking about community and the importance of community, church community this morning. If you would like to find a church community near you that will welcome you and make you a friend and a part of their community, then give us a call. We can make that happen as well. We love you guys here on Faith FM. We love it when you tune in and be a part of the show. We look forward to your company again tomorrow morning. And right now, stay tuned because we have more great programming right now. Like flowers Love came flowing gently Like a stream Kept us safe for a little while Till the wave
waves rose higher and higher We learned in time those waters must recede But of this I'm sure The past don't own us anymore
content to be ourselves when you're content to be